uh, talk to the appraiser, interact with them, share comps, share data. Uh, it's not a black box and be just that we work through. So be happy to uh, be there and provide info as is needed. Okay. Okay. Anything you want to add to that, Alex? No, that's true. I think some appraisers might be a little resistant to that. So you kind of have to feel them out. But if, if they're okay with it, then, then opening the line of communication is definitely a good move. Welcome to Agent Success Podcast. If you're a real estate agent looking to succeed in today's crazy market, well, you're in the right place. Each week, we talk with successful real estate agents willing to share their expert insights, trade secrets, and mindset that help them to succeed. There's no fluff, just straight to the point content that prioritizes one thing above all, your success. So without further ado, let's cut to the chase. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, agentsuccesspodcast.com. I'm Tim Chase, and I'm here with two special guests that will help you succeed in your business. They are appraisers, our favorite people. Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? My name is Bryant Byinger, um, current president of the Colorado Association of Real Estate Appraisers. Okay. Um, and we've got uh, an appraisal firm, Alex and I do, that we work together with that, and then uh, do some appraisal management company, so kind of the in-between, so we get to work with a lot of appraisers mm-hmm. and agents on uh, all sides of that process. That, that is a, a lot of hats to wear. It's a few, yes. Yeah, it's a few. Yep. And, and how about you, sir? Well, I share I share those hats with him. Um, other than that, the only difference is I am a designated member of the Appraisal Institute, mm-hmm. and uh, I sort of have more of a reviewing QC kind of role at the appraisal management company. Okay, uh, give me, and give me an idea. You guys work together. You guys own a company together. Is that is that accurate? Yes, sir. Actually, okay. two two companies. Two companies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you here based in Colorado Springs? Where are you guys based out of? Yep, we're out of our houses. Out of our houses. Okay, yes. cool. Here in Colorado Springs. So, um, as the tone of our of our show is, how does a real estate agent succeed with the knowledge that we bring? So, I have a handful of questions. I think you guys could really. Uh, could really help some real estate agents out. But before I do that, I want to just get an idea from you guys. Um, what do you think? If you could give advice to a real estate agent, what should a real estate agent be doing to have more success in their business in dealing with appraisals? Uh, talk to the appraiser. Interact with them. Share comps. Share data. Uh, it's not a black box and be just that we work through. So be happy to uh, be there and provide info as is needed. Okay. Okay. Anything you want to add to that, Alex? No, that's true. I think some appraisers might be a little resistant to that. So you kind of have to feel them out. But if, if they're okay with it, then, then opening the line of communication is definitely a good move. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's jump into a couple. And, and actually, what you just said kind of goes exactly with my first question. So we have, uh, let's say we have a, a new listing and there's a mortgage uh, that's being applied for. And so you guys are going out to appraise the property. Should the real estate agent meet you at the property? I say yes. I appreciate when agents meet me. Um, okay. I realize sometimes the scheduling doesn't work. And in that instance, I'm working on a tight time frame. So it's more beneficial for me to go quick. But I do want that, uh, that contact with them. Mm-hmm. If they're available, absolutely meet me. Um, okay. Biggest thing is, is bring a packet, but bring it digitally. Email it to me. Oh, because it's okay. easier for me to get it in my work file. As a piece of paper, I have to take that and scan it in and get into my work file. As opposed to printing off some yes. recently sold from the MLS. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Yes. Email it. Email over the CMA and bring it there and have that conversation with where, 
where you guys got your pricing and how you arrived at what you looked at. Does that does that help an appraiser? Because there's you know thoughts that appraisers are just uh, eighty seven year old cranky men that don't want you to help them, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> How I mean, is that actually generally looked at? I mean, I know you said you guys do, but is that generally looked at? That that perception is not uh, unwarranted. Um, <laughs> there are the eighty-seven-year-olds out there, but yeah. but there's a lot of incoming people that are happy to work with it. Um, yeah. With the organization that we're part of, we have been strongly encouraging appraisers to be more receptive to stuff that's okay. being brought. It's a changing market. It is. Uh, a pretty unique space. We need to know what buyers are doing. We yeah. don't get to talk to buyers. Yeah. The agents get to talk to buyers. Yeah. So we have to have that communication and that dialogue. Okay. Do you guys ever, or d- does a, does a appraiser ever actively reach out to the real estate agent for information or is it more the real estate agent needs to be proactive to bring that information when you guys go appraise a house? It's both, but, uh, a good appraiser will reach out to the real estate agent, I would say. Okay. So, some are. So what you're saying is you guys have reached out to real estate agents because yes. you said good, good appraisers. Yes. A okay. lot of times. A lot of times. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm going to dig into a few details that I think could help a real estate agent understand. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys go out and appraise a property and it, it is comes in under value, okay, the property comes in under value, what generally is the main cause of that? And I know there's a thousand things that it could be, but what is kind of the main thing that you see like a mistake or something that the, that the real estate agent would have done in their CMA versus the actual appraisal? I think a lot of times it can be a mistake. The square footage is wrong. Um, they base it on an MLS, prior MLS or the assessor, and there's actually 400 square feet less. That oh, makes it difficult okay. then to come up with, to, to be, arrive at the same value when all of a sudden the house is 400 square feet smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, what do, so do you guys, do you guys actually go out with a tape measure and measure it then? Or how do you get to your, your measurement that's different than theirs? We do have to measure. Um, the new requirements per Fannie Mae is called the ANSI standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was enacted last year. And with that standard, we have to measure um, to the 10th of a foot which okay. is pretty pretty precise, yeah. and it standardized all of the uh, the finished versus unfinished and ceiling height for like a finished attic, mm-hmm. and so we have to uh, do that, and okay. that is the process that appraisers are supposed to be doing is measuring on site every okay. time. Why don't they just say within an inch and a half? What, what is it, a tenth? Of <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, are you guys using digital? Yeah. Okay. As opposed to running out the 18-foot tape measures and all that. Okay. Uh, yes. So that's actually happening on appraisals. Because I when did that? When did Fannie Mae do that? Last April. April, yeah. Okay, so that's a yep. fairly recent mm-hmm. change. Yeah, okay. and Freddie Mac followed suit. FHA prefers it. Um, VA does not require that standard. So, so if a if a real estate agent goes out and lists a house, don't you know, look at the county assessor, but don't rely on it. Uh, look at um, uh, past MLS listing, but don't rely on it. Yes, absolutely. Go to Zillow and then delete it. They also, <laughs> they also have new rules about what can be counted as above grade and below grade and how to report that. So buy okay. levels, for example, are always going to be half basement as uh-huh. far as we're concerned. Okay. Sometimes the assessor and, and agents will list it all as, as above grade, and that can cause a little Can you give us a little more explanation on that when you say, you're saying like a garden level basement? Mm-hmm. If anything 
on that floor is below grade at all. That has to be counted as, as basement level. Okay. So if one inch of that property is is below ground level in one spot, that whole level has to go below grade. And so I've noticed when I look at like the county assessor, like for taxes, as an example, a house will say it's 1,100 square feet um, and maybe it's a bi-level, but then it says, you know, basement is this much, but it's telling you that it's 1,100 square feet is mm-hmm. kind of the, the what it's going off of. So when you guys go and do that appraisal, are you... Are you valuing that one inch below grade at a lower value than the above grade? Typically, no. We're supposed okay. to be measuring. Uh, uh, you just have to mark it. You have to label it different. Yeah. It's not necessarily valued yes. different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and that's where the tri-levels or four levels really become an issue because a four level ends up typically being two up and two down. Mm-hmm. And the assessor almost always has it three up and one down. Okay. So a lot of people think that we forgot a bunch of square footage or we forgot bedrooms and bathrooms and they're there. They're just included in that below grade now because of the new measurement standards. Gotcha. So when you go on your appraisal report, it's listed, it's just not listed as square footage. And then you have below grade square footage. Correct. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, And then what about um, with, with uh, a real estate agent that, that wants to um, get their, accuracy as good as possible right out of the gate. Um, are you, you're suggesting that they should use digital measuring things as opposed to assessor sites and all that, mm-hmm. right? When they go and do their CMA um, using that, do you see, do you see them using a different value on above or below grade? Not traditionally. Okay. No. Um, so they're doing it the same way you're doing it, I guess is really the point of what I'm trying to get at. Mm. They're, they're valuing it the same or they're trying to. They're, they're trying to. And a lot of it also, of course, comes down to what the buyer and seller see. If mm-hmm. they see there's four bedrooms and three bathrooms, then that's, that's kind of what they're buying, regardless of how mm-hmm. we report it. So, so the NC stuff kind of confuses that. but so So then you said the square footage. What about house type like let's say you're doing a house that is fairly unique for the area like what what is the what is the standard a real estate agent should look at as far as uh, how far out do we go for a comparable property um, for like a normal single family here locally like what would that be mm-hmm. and then if you do that unique property you know how do we start finding comps for that do we go further out or do we go less further out and do a less comparable property does that, does that make sense yeah that makes sense um mm-hmm. You're really going to have, uh, it's going to vary per appraiser, which is uh, it, the typical appraiser will, a lot of them get locked into this one mile radius. And that's what I've heard traditionally. Yep. And that, uh, we're trying to bust that mold because okay. buyers aren't looking at properties within a mile of some random point. Yeah. And so we, as we work with a lot of appraisers mm-hmm. through the AMC, we try to encourage them to look at the broader market area. Where is that buyer actually looking? Okay. And so- we can't get around location, though, because it's right. kind of the three rules. Okay, what are the three uh, rules? Uh, location, location, and location. So there's not a fourth in there. Uh, there could be. Okay. Uh, <laughs> more location. <laughs> um, so if you've got that unique property, mm-hmm. find some stuff that's close, that gives yeah. you them that proximity to the subject. But then also look at something that might be farther away that's going to match the property better and be okay. like, here's the quality. So, so okay, so, so to get more specific, let's say I have, so you say one mile is kind of the norm, right? Is, is the, I shouldn't say norm, but the, the perceived 
limit? For a lot of appraisers, yeah. Okay. So let's say I have um, a ranch and everything within a mile around it is split level, duplexes, tri-levels, everything else, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I got a ranch. And two miles away, there's some other ranch level houses. Are you guys, and I know this might be a little bit of a loaded question, but is it better to go out to that two mile to find the ranches? Or is it better to make the adjustments to non-comparable houses? You need to bring at least one of those two mile out ones in. That that would be my sort of baseline answer. It always depends. Sure, sure. If it's a crazy ranch and like only these two mile out ones are comparable, then then these ones closer by are frankly useless. Even though I'd probably bring one of those in as well, just to have something. Just to give a, 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 a locational value to what houses are mm-hmm. going for yeah. there. But you're going to reach. So even if like even if there's a lot of other houses, right? You're reaching out and grabbing at least one of those comparable properties. Mm-hmm. I've run across that before where I've had one just odd. Mm-hmm. house that did, it shouldn't say odd but it was odd for the area and they have to go pretty pretty far out do mm-hmm. you guys do any mountain town properties mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we uh we'll go out to Westcliff for mm-hmm. um all at teller county and park county and a lot of those areas and so that's where i've run into some stuff before where it's like they're going out four miles away five miles away and 20 20 mi- yeah. 20 miles away mm-hmm. yeah, yeah th- and that's where an appraiser needs to judge what that what is that market area and okay. looking at not just a subdivision but okay. in mountain stuff it gets so spread out that you have to be farther away so how then how does that work um let's say and again for a real estate agent standpoint you go to list a house and the house you list is um between here and cripple creek kind of mountainish somewhere right and it has 20 acres on it um are, how much value are you putting to the land versus the house, or is it all just collectively into what the comparables within a 20-mile radius are? Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> well, just because I see sometimes it's like I have a 40-acre yeah. lot or a 20-acre lot. It's like, okay, well, boy, the land sure is, well, but we're lending on the house. So how, how, does that, how, how does that start to play in? Again, you got to bring in stuff to, to match that land. Hopefully the view and the outbuildings and stuff like that so it can get pretty complicated um so what if one guy likes the view and one guy hates the view we end that with solar i've run into that with solar some people are just like yeah i don't care get rid of it like they'll literally be like just take it off i'll buy the house take it off really (laughs) i don't care about the price i hate being energy independent um (laughs) way rather wait for the utility so you kind of have to look at what the what the market wants in that case that you know people do i would prefer solar to not solar yeah, that's oh. a pretty easy one, but but you do have to look at that. You know, some things aren't popular. Like an in-ground pool is, is not that popular. Some Incre- people will be in, into in the mountains. Yeah, I can see yeah. how that mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, one I thing that yeah we'll do a lot of times for within our firm, and it's becoming a broader accepted topic mm-hmm. is figuring out that base land value, mm-hmm. and then comparing that against comps based on their land value. And so, four acres in closer to town with better views will have a higher value than 20 acres farther away with no views. Gotcha. And that idea of, well, they might be different in size, but if we go back to that base land value and we take away all the improvements, yeah. that can be something that starts to give us a better idea of how yeah, that value is coming you, in. You guys got to, yeah, that'd be a tough job. 
All I have to do is look at Fannie Mae guidelines for Freddie Mac. I look like, oh, your DTI's off. I don't know what to tell you. you yeah. You, you guys are like, well, I had to go 40 miles here and 10 miles there. Well, I, I had a property that uh, probably the craziest one I did yeah. that my market area, defined market area was the state of Colorado. And That's I used 10 years. 10 years. 10 years in the state of Colorado. Yes. Yes. It's an earth ship. Oh. A rammed tire earth built self-contained property that you sail through life. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yes. I was going to actually ask about uh, different buildings, such as uh, hay bale, yep. uh, you know, tire, uh-huh. all the different, the different, uh, if you don't have anything around, are you using the normal houses as comparable properties? Got to get one in the location. <laughs> and get ten, one, ten years in the state of Colorado. Uh-huh. Well, and that one was it was uh, there's only uh, 3,500 of these things built. They originated in Santa Fe, and so it was like, look, somebody 3,500 in the world. Oh. So if somebody's gonna use this, want this, they know what it is, and they're gonna want only one of these things. And I kind of want one. Where, 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 well, um, where do I find? These? There's a lot in Crestone. Oh. Go down. <laughs> <laughs> two in Black Forest. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting that you know that. You're like, dude, I know everything for the last 10 years <laughs> oh, in the state of college. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Creston's um, uh, uh, different locate, d- different type of town. Uh, yes. Yeah. I've done some loans down there, actually, for people who have just got cabin-ish type houses. Mm-hmm. But I know several people that have some property down there, and sometimes they just build whatever they feel like mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and we whether that's a teepee or whether it's yeah. a whatever it is, right? Yeah. We have situations with some of that unique construction, though, that we'll look at them and not be able to actually prove value. We might not have that comp that's a similar construction okay. in the report, but we'll have done it on the back end where, say, an insulated concrete form house. Those are really efficient. Yeah. And if we find a sale of one of those and look at it compared to other houses, did it actually sell for a premium? Yeah. And when we compare okay. that one, it's yeah. basically like a mini appraisal of that house versus the other comps to see if people were willing to pay more for that feature. Pay more for okay. And if yeah. and if we can determine that they didn't pay more for that feature, then we might not include that in the actual comp the sales grid. That that's a great explanation. I actually I would like to break part of that explanation now just a little bit. If you had to tell a real estate agent, um, like they had to tell a client, like what is an appraisal? Like in a very condensed form like you just like a one sentence what is an appraisal risk analysis tool for a lender okay that's pretty good that not not too bad yeah. <laughs> i'll give them i'll give them an a minus on that one that's yeah. too bad <laughs> so it's a risk analysis tool absolutely and it's for the lender it's not okay. for, it's not for the buyer okay it's not for the seller Okay. Because it's a matter of we are providing a piece of information for mm-hmm. that lender to decide how it ties in with the credit score and uh, all the mm-hmm. other factors that you get to deal with yeah. that I don't want to deal so with. So I have heard in the past, a real estate agent told me that uh, an appraisal on a purchase is a justification of the sales value. An appraisal on a refinance is the the value. Does it make sense? Like like whatever value they can come up with, whereas the, the, the purchase is a justification of that value. Does that sound accurate at all? It, it, that's accurate, but we're not supposed to think of it in those terms, I would say. Okay, because a lot of times you know, we have a house for $593,111, and the appraisal comes in at $593,111. Mm-hmm. Right, right. 
how did that happen? And it made me think that maybe there is some truth to that statement that, that a, a real estate told, agent told me a long time ago. Was, hey, it's just a justification of the sales price. It, it is. It's, does that make sense? Can we support it? Okay. And it's a strong data point. And that's where additional offers can be a, a good tool for an appraiser to have. If that agent that comes in and, and can show a spreadsheet of all the offers that they got on a property and mm. say, like, not only was one person willing to pay this, we had six people that okay. wanted this. And that, that, that actually is a very good point. So you say meet at the, meet at the property, deliver your comparables in an electronic format. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes down to... Um, getting that value, getting actual like, hey, here is nine offers that we had on this property. And would you suggest that's part of part of what they send you in that initial? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. All right. I didn't think you guys would look at that. I, f- I find it useful. I mean, th- th- it's true if, it, mm-hmm. if it's true. And um, I think some appraisers will be like, well, I can't use that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of true. You can't put that in the grid or anything. There's nowhere in the appraisal report to write that. But it, it's... It's it's market it's market information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you appraise new homes different than resale homes? With new homes, we have to have to include something that's not the same builder that's not new. Or something that okay. we can't just use it's all new comps. Okay. All new comps from the same builder is kind of a frowned upon practice because then that it's builder price could, fixing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so okay. that's it really the only difference with the new construction is looking at it okay. that way. So you might need to jump to the next community over with a different builder or something like that yeah. to get to yep. get that. Or a resale, even if it's a resale of the same builder, that shows that on the back end the market's still supporting mm. those values. Okay. It just can't be that builder's uh, inventory of new stuff. Correct. Yeah, now, are you looking for just one? Kind of how you said you're going to go out and get that one random property. You need at least one in there? or It depends because we prefer always MLS sales and some builders don't bother. So yeah. you'll have just all diff- not the builder of the subject in, mm-hmm. your, in your sales grid. But Gotcha. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, some appraisers are not appraisers, sorry. Some uh, real estate agents get confused when we have uh, a value that comes in low, uh, particularly with VA, we call Tidewater. Mm. So if there's a real estate agent listening, they don't, they have never had Tidewater. That's when an appraisal comes in low, and we don't get to see the value on a Tidewater. Right? It just says we got Tidewater. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like we're, we're running low. So um, how uh, how should they handle that? How should the real estate agent handle that? Look at the report first and see which comps are in there. There's a lot the of time. The appraisal report? The appraisal report. Well, but on a Tidewater, we don't get that. Well, then can they can they ask the lender for a copy of the sales grid to see which? Or even just a list of the comps. Would be the, the appraisers okay. don't give us any of that Okay. on the Tidewater. They basically say it's Tidewater. Let me know in two days. Yeah. Um, see, and VA doesn't tell the appraisers the process on that one. We just get. Oh, oh so you submit it to VA and you don't. And well, we have to go to the lender, but it's it's that idea of, on the appraiser side, most appraisers don't know what happens on your side. Gotcha. And we of, don't know of what the process. On the appraisal side. Yeah, it's a big. I just black know you get the value wrong. <laughs> <Yeah. Dang it>. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, what what we've been sending is when we get a tidewater, we send out to the the real estate agents, and we got a form from VA, and we put it into a nice you know mm-hmm. fillable PDF, and says, "Here's a grid format. Mm-hmm. Give us where you know." Mm-hmm. some stuff to justify this. Mm-hmm. And some of the best things that they can provide will be sales that are over the contract price that have closed higher. That doesn't yeah. mean just any old random property that sold higher because yeah. it's like, yeah, can I find a Comparable. house that sell? Yeah. yeah. But something that sold higher. Okay. A lot of times we'll get Tidewater and it's 
everything is lower. Well, that doesn't do anything to help us bring our value up when everything's below the contract. I think a lot of that can be solved um, in the front end by meeting you at the house, delivering delivering, uh, both um, offers that they received on the house and closed transactions right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And information, I, I always tell realtors, like, we can find the high sales. We can find the sales that were higher. It's the lower ones that we need explanations of. This one looks exactly like the subject, but if you've been in it and there was a smell in there and there's problems, th- that's good information for us. I had a realtor use. tell me one time, smells cost money. They do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got cat smells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to cost money. Okay, so we're going to go really fast on these last couple that I just have a couple quick questions on. First one is, do you hate AMCs? We, we, we have one. one. We own one. So we're a little biased on that side of not being yeah. able to say that. Um, AMCs can be a great tool. Yeah. There's also some that don't run correctly yeah. and, and are not very. Some of them can be very frustrating useful. from the lender standpoint. We can't get a hold of people. It's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. It's a lot of middlemen. And it, yeah, it's like anything in this industry. You're going to have some good. You're going to have some bad. And you're going to have some middle of the road. From an appraiser standpoint, though, right? From an appraiser standpoint, would they rather work client direct um, or would they rather, do they like having that level of separation with an AMC? I'd say most appraisers prefer the client direct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I liked it better before AMCs, but I also kind of like when I get a good AMC, the accountability that an AMC provides. So it's like, well, no, we talked to your person who was supposed to talk to that. And and there's like a, like a paper trail of information. Uh, We've had appraisers, particularly mountain appraisers that just kind of disappear from time to time. They show up once a month and we definitely try to be one of the good ones. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, They call it going dark in the AMC world. (laughs) That appraiser went dark and who knows what happened. So we only have like, we have like two more minutes. So I'm going to ask two really fast questions. Okay. The first one is, Let's say uh, you're going to get FHA or VA appraisal, okay? Um, Can I have that easily converted to a conventional appraisal if, like, let's say you guys went out and did an FHA or VA appraisal, and I say, oh, we're switching to a conventional loan. Can you switch that to a conventional type of appraisal? That should be easy and inexpensive, as long as it stays with the same lender or you're, you're able to transfer the appraisal. What if we switched that role? You start with a conventional and then you need to go FHA. Is it a full reappraisal, or do you just go out and inspect a few well, items? You're going to have appraisers who say that's full price. We're doing a whole new one, but it shouldn't be. That's, that's okay. for FHA. It's a picture of the attic, real quick, and the crawl space. And was there any peeling paint? You should be good to go. Yeah, health and safety mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and that that only will come up when if you've got a conventional that that appraiser might not be on the FHA or VA roster, mm. then all okay, of a sudden gotcha, gotcha. they're not able to do that. They're not able to switch it. And so it will end up being a full new appraisal. Gotcha. So it is possible assuming that they're on that. Yes. Okay. Last question I have for you guys for real estate agents. And this, this got brought up a couple of weeks ago um, with a, with an agent is, is there any value? And what, what do you guys think about, uh, having an agent before they list the house, hiring an appraiser to do a drive-by appraisal to get a value. And is would that be, would that hold any weight in that, uh, in that value? It'll depend on the appraiser. Depends on the property too. For an easy one, don't bother, but it's some of the tricky ones. There's a guest unit and how, okay. you know, big lot and all that kind of thing. What does a drive-by on average cost? I mean, it's a different all over the state. You go out to... You know, Woodland Park, Cripple Creek is different than Colorado Springs. It's different than Denver. 
just kind of average what does an appraiser charge? You're going to say between two hundred and nine thousand dollars, right? Somewhere in between there. Yeah, as all appraisers, we say it depends. <laughs> like no, when somebody maybe, asked me what yeah. the interest rate is. Well, that's an interesting question. Is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> we got to we got to go down a big rabbit hole to figure that yeah. out. So. Uh, Two to three hundred, I would bet, it okay. is going to be. A, it depends kind of on who ballpark. you go to, but that would okay. probably be ballpark. And so, a more challenging property, maybe that's not that bad. And then, would they? Would that if if that happened, um, and you did, let's say you were doing the actual appraisal, and they show up to give you information, they give you this drive-by appraisal that they had two weeks ago, that would help you do your job as the appraiser. It could. It could absolutely help to give a perspective okay. of a different appraiser. Um, cool. And. Sometimes that if on those tricky properties, the drive-by is probably not going to be the best bet, but okay. get them in there, get them to measure, and then you can have that true measurement as well. So real estate agents, start measuring your properties. Or to, call appraisers or to measure. Call, or call an appraiser, start meeting your appraisers, deliver information digitally, um, don't be invisible, and uh, and. Love AMC's, I guess. Yeah, is that love love our AMC. Accept AMC's. So for for a real estate agent, if they wanted to reach out and do something independent of of a lender, how do they contact you guys? Um, our AMC website, uh, Mosaic Valuation Services, can get to us. Okay. Our appraisal firm website is being built right now. Okay. But so call uh, Mosaic. Email. What was it? Mosaicvaluation.com. Okay. I think so. <laughs> you got you guys you guys you guys worked the system real good. You didn't build the website. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. And how about uh, phone number if they need to call? Mine is seven one nine two nine one seven two four four. Okay, and call yeah. me anytime with any questions about appraisal. I like, awesome. love to talk. How about you, Alex? Seven one nine seven two five one zero zero three. These guys are awesome. Thank you for being here. You guys are legit. You know what you're talking about. I think you really brought a lot of value. We did hit exactly at that 30 minute mark. I told you we're going to try really hard to be. Really, it's it's hard to do, but thanks a lot. Hopefully, a lot of real estate agents got a great value out of it. And thanks for being part of the show. Yeah, thank you, Tim. All right, thank on. You. All right, that wraps up another episode of Cut to the Chase at AgentSuccessPodcast.com. Catch us every week. That wraps up another episode of Agent Success Podcast. Remember, you can find new episodes each week at agentsuccesspodcast.com. We hope you found the insights and best practices shared today truly valuable. And if you did, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, your success is a journey of learning and improvement. So let's keep hustling, thriving, and learning. Until next week, this is Tim Chase.